Good morning. You know, today would be a good afternoon to go shopping, to walk on the streets, to drive on the highways, because there'll be a few million people that will be glued to the television set, and I will be one of them. (laughs) Because not only do I enjoy the Super Bowl every year, but the 49ers are in it. (laughs) Go Niners! So it's going to be exciting. But I'm not going to keep you long, so I know everybody's got plans. We've got Super Bowl parties and everything. It'll be great. Let's just open in a word of prayer. Our blessed Heavenly Father, we thank you for the name of Jesus. We thank you for the power of his name, the beauty and the wonder of his name, and the sweetness of his name. Oh, there's never been a name like Jesus. Jehovah is salvation. He came to rescue us and save us. And we're so thankful. And if there's anyone in this audience today who doesn't know you, Lord Jesus, as their Lord and Savior, may they not walk out these doors until they do. Because none of us, Lord, are assured of tomorrow. We're not even assured this afternoon. We're not even assured one second or one minute from now. Our lives are in your hands, Lord. And we just pray now that you'll direct us by the Holy Spirit in the word today and pray that you'll hide me behind the cross. And we pray in Jesus name. Amen. It was just last Sunday. Adel had just given a fantastic message from the word. And son came up to me and he had his phone and he showed me the headline on the phone. Kobe Bryant dies in a helicopter crash. It brought shockwaves to the world of basketball, to the world of sports, and to the world in general. They were still talking about it in the early part of the week, in the mid part of the week. People are still talking about it. This man had an influence upon sports that transcended sports. Tennis players, golfers. Basketball players, baseball players, football players, they were all inspired by Kobe. He had an effect on people. But there's one person that has an effect greater than even Kobe Bryant or any other person that's ever lived, great or small, and that's Jesus Christ. But the thing that really struck me last Sunday when I first saw that headline and then more of the news came, what really struck me, here was a young man 41 years old, in the prime of life, in health. He was a husband. He was a father. His own daughter was a great basketball player and she wanted to carry on his legacy and go to Connecticut uh, University and, and play basketball and go on to have a career in basketball. All of that was cut short because the time was up. None of us knows when our time will be up. None of us do. We can do certain things, can't we? We can eat healthy. We can exercise. We can take care of ourselves. We can have our annual checkups and go to the doctor and take medications and vitamins and do all kinds of things. But it's not going to add to our life if God says it's time. When God says it's time, We cannot negotiate it. It's not negotiable. 
the time for us to go. But it's amazing. Have you ever stopped to think that when some famous person, some celebrity, some person that's well known and respected and rich and famous in the world dies, you hear about it, don't you? You hear over the internet and on television and radio. But how about an ordinary average person like you and I? Who hears about that? Maybe the immediate family does. Some friends, maybe some work associates, neighbors and so forth. But it doesn't go viral. People don't know about it. Life is short, very short, compared to eternity. Now, we may live a hundred years, let's say. But in the light of eternity, it's like a little blip on the radar screen. We come into this world. The Bible says, naked I came into this world, Job said, and naked I shall leave it as well. The title of our message today is Life is Short, Live It Well for the Lord. You know, we only have one chance in life to give our lives to Jesus Christ before his coming or before death comes knocking at our door. And if we don't take advantage of that, it will be too late. Those nine people that boarded that helicopter last Sunday morning did not know that that would be their last day on this earth. They didn't know it. Can you imagine if you had foreknowledge, as God has foreknowledge, and you were to know that if you were to get on that helicopter, you would die? You wouldn't take the helicopter. If you knew that you got in, you were going to get into your car and you were going to have a terrible accident, you were going to, you wouldn't get into your car that day. I'll take my bicycle. And then if you would have known that if you would have taken your bicycle, that something bad would have happened, you wouldn't take your bicycle. You would walk. That's the way we as humans are. We have a certain survival instinct about us. We don't want to die. But those who want to really live have to be prepared to die. Because we cannot fully live for the Lord unless we're ready to die for the Lord. Because when He comes, or when He calls us by the way of death, we will go to be with Him. And the choice and the decision that we make has to be made ahead of time. We can't say, well... I'm going to put it off for a little longer. I'm still young. I can wait longer. I I don't have to receive Christ now. We have to receive Him now. Remember the story of the ten virgins. Five were wise and five were foolish. The five wise ones were prepared. They had their oil in their lamps. So when the bridegroom came, they were ready to go in. The others, they had the lamps but they weren't prepared. They didn't have oil and lamps. Oil is a type of the Holy Spirit. They weren't saved. Five were saved. Five were unsaved. Five were ready. Five were not ready. And when that time comes, there's no time to prepare. You have to prepare it now. We're going to read our text this morning from Psalm 39, verses 5 and 6. This is David who wrote this psalm. And he says these words. Indeed, you have made my days as hand breaths and my ages as nothing before you. Certainly, every man at his best state is but vapor. Selah. Surely, every man 
walks like a shadow. Surely they busy themselves in vain. He heaps up riches and he does not know who will gather them. May God bless the reading of his word. Someone once said, it's not how long you live. It's for what you live that counts. It's not the quantity of the years of our lives. It's the quality of the years of our life that counts. Another person said, some people know how to make a living, but they don't know how to live. And truly, only those who know the Lord can really know how to live. Live in peace, live in thankfulness, live in contentment, live in joy when we have Jesus. The three things we're going to look at briefly this morning are number one, make our days count. Number two, don't forget how frail we are. Don't forget our frailty, but remember God's strength. And number three, life is short like a vapor. Not too many people are like David today who says in this Psalms that he, he says, make me consider my end, the measure of my days. David was concerned that his life would count for something. And it's not just important for us to count our days, but it's important for us to make our days count. To use our time, to use everything he's given us, our strength, our money, our abilities, everything in the Lord's service. Years ago, I told different people, including my financial advisor, I said, one day when I retire, And I didn't even know when that would be. I thought it was going to be way off into the future. I'll be 75, maybe 80. I'll keep working. I I had no problem with that. I want to serve the Lord full time. Well, the Lord opened up the the river, the Red Sea, as it were, and allowed me to retire at the age of 62 years and seven months. And I am very thankful. And I've already been able to serve the Lord more. And I'm thankful that I... He's given me the opportunity to do it. And I want to make my life count for the Lord. I want to do more for Him. I want to serve Him with every ounce of strength that I have. So I came up with a new motto. And my motto going forward as a retired person is called to serve a mission of mercy and a labor of love. And whatever I do for the Lord, after all He's done for me, is a mission of mercy and a labor of love. And part of serving the Lord, and a huge part of it is, serving others. Serving others. Not sitting back and letting others serve us, but serving others in whatever needs to be done. We want to make sure that our lives count. The Bible says this in Psalm 90 and verse 10. The days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength, they are 80 years. Yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. So in the King James Bible, it says three score and ten, which is 70. And that's kind of like, kind of like an average. Now, Every year, they do surveys on the life expectancy. Now, this year, they said it's gone up a little bit. But still, 
last few years, it's kind of been going down because so many people have been dying young of diseases and all kinds of things and, and suicide, people taking their life. How tragic is that? Whether it's a younger person or an older person or somewhere in between, someone taking their life because they have no hope. They have nothing to live for. But if you have Jesus, you've got something worth living for and something worth dying for as well. The scripture also says a couple verses down in Psalm 90 and verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Have you ever heard the old adage, time is money? Well, in this illustration that I'm going to share, money is an illustration of time. Suppose someone were to say to you, that you were going to receive a bank account every day, an amount in your, in your bank account every day of $86,400. It's going to be direct deposited into your account, but there's a catch. You have to spend it that day. Anything left over is gone. You're going to start the next day at zero again and then Another $86,400. There's no overdraft and there's no cancellations of it. If you were to, if someone was to say that to you, you say, boy, I'm going to go out, I'm going to spend $86,400 every single day, right? That's what a person would do. But when you think about it, every person, all of us, have 86,400 seconds every day. When you think about it, it sounds like a lot, but it's not. It's 24 hours every day. We have one more day to live. The poet said, a moment is a little thing, but moments make the day. So crowd it with a worthy task before it slips away. A minute is not with us so long, But oh, the joy or pain that can be crowded into it with loss or priceless gain. An hour of precious time, a day, will soon be slipping by. A month or year, the span of life, work, plan, well, and try. You know, the lazy man doesn't do it. The procrastinating man puts it off. But the diligent man does it now. Have you ever noticed that? There's three kinds of people. The lazy man, not going to do it. Forget it. Don't ask him. Don't ask her. Lazy people don't do it. The procrastinating man, I'll get back with you. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it a week from tomorrow. How about next month? Procrastinate. Put it off. It's not good. But a diligent man says, okay, let me do it right now. Let me do it now while I'm thinking about it. Let me take care of it for you. You don't have to worry about it. So that's our first point this morning. Make our days count. Make our days count. Because at the end, when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, that's what's really going to be important. Did we make our lives count? Did we make our days and our weeks and our months and our years on this earth count? What will people say about me when I'm gone? It's amazing. There have been tributes to Kobe, as I mentioned, all about his life and everything. 
And when they're thinking about it, they're not thinking about some of the bad things he did. They're all thing, all good, glowing terms, right? But when God sees us, he sees the real us, the real way we are. And he wants us to be a blessing. The second thing we want to keep in mind this morning is we don't want to forget how frail we are. David was a king before he was a shepherd boy. And then he became a king, a mighty king. And from my reading of the scriptures and Brother Rudy, Adel, anyone who wants to chime in on this. But from my reading of the scriptures, David never lost a single battle. And the reason was, is because he always prayed and the Lord directed him and gave him the victory. His greatest defeat was not on the battlefield, was in the bedroom. His greatest defeat was in that situation that he went through. And so God wants us to remember our mortality. Remember how frail we are. Remember we can't do it without him. The more we try to say, I can do this, I can make it, I can conquer this habit, I can conquer this thing, we can't do it. That's why when Paul prayed three times that the thorn be removed in his flesh, the Lord replied to him in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your strength. No. My strength is made perfect in your weakness, in weakness. Therefore, most gladly will I rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities in reproaches, in needs in persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I love that song. We sing it sometimes on Sunday morning that says, I am weak but thou art strong. Jesus, keep me from all wrong. I'll be satisfied as long as I walk. Let me walk close to thee. I wonder how many in that helicopter, those nine people, were there any Christians? Did they know the Lord? They all have a story. They all have a life. And were they ready to meet their master? Were they willing to, ready to meet their creator? I don't know. Some were, maybe some weren't. The question is not whether they were ready. The question is, are you ready? Am I ready? Should the Lord come today? Should I go through an accident today? Should I die today? Am I ready? The two greatest questions that anybody can ask you is these questions. If you were to die today, do you know for sure that you would go to heaven? The way to know for sure, the Bible tells us, is by accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the one who died on the cross for you and rose from the dead. When you know him as your Savior, you've got your way into heaven. You're ready to go to heaven. But if you haven't received him yet, you're not ready. You're not ready to meet him. We as Christians are very frail people. We need the Lord's help for everything. And I think one of the greatest regrets that's mentioned among Christians that have, that in their lives is that they don't pray enough. I don't think anybody will ever think we ever pray enough because we can always pray more. We can always read the word more. We can always have more fellowship with God's people. It's so very, very important because we are called to serve him and rely on his wisdom and his strength. David recognized that he wasn't in charge of his life. 
God was in charge. God had the timing prepared. And so when he mentions here about the hand breaths, a hand breath into the Jewish mind was like four fingers. It's not very much. Four fingers was a hand breath. And he says, you know my hand breath. You know how long I'm going to live. You know what I'm going to do. You know how it's all going to unfold. Only God knows that. Our lives are very short. And by worrying about it, we can't add one single cubit to our stature, Jesus said in Matthew 6.27. He says, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his status? Stature, And consequently, we can't add one moment to our life. Only God knows that. But there was one case in the scripture, and our dear brother mentioned his name at the breaking of bread, King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah was a great king. He did many wonderful things for the Lord. He celebrated the Passover. He instituted all the reforms. He he turned the people of Israel and Judah back to the Lord. It was wonderful. And one day, God sent the prophet Isaiah to tell him, Hezekiah, get all your affairs in order because you're going to die. Can you imagine if God was to come to us today and said, Dean, get all your affairs together, get everything straightened out because you're going to die. Hezekiah was stunned He couldn't believe it. And he even mentioned to the Lord all the things he did for him. And he cried, he wept. And so God reconsidered his plan. And he added to his life 15 years more to live. Amazing. Sadly, though, he didn't use those 15 years for the Lord. And I think many of us could be that way and fall into that same category is if God gave us another minute or another hour or another day or another week or another year to live or more than one year, what would we do with it? Would we spend it on ourselves or would we spend it on him and his cause? The great theologian Carl Sandburg once said, time is the coin of your life. It's the only coin you have. And you, you are the only one who can determine how you're going to spend it. And he concludes by saying, be careful lest you let other people spend it for you. I like what Ben Franklin, the great, one of the great founders of our country said. He says, dost thou love life? Then do not squander time, for it is the stuff, the stuff, he said, life is made of. So may God bless us. So we need to remember, we need to know our end. We need to know where we're going, that we're going to heaven. We need to consider where God has brought us from. We need to trust in his strength and not in our own frailty. And number three, life is short like a vapor. How long does the vapor appear for? It's very short. Now, we all know from physics and science and the way to have a vapor is to heat that particular substance like water or whatever it is to a certain temperature so that that solid water then becomes a vapor. 
and it comes out. Sometimes on a cold day when you're driving, you, you look out at the cars and you see from the exhaust pipe coming out, you can see it and a vapor. Sometimes on a cold day, you blow your breath and you see it, but it comes out and it's so short and life is a vapor. David says, in my age is nothing before you. Certainly every man at his best state is a vapor. It's very humbling to think that our lives are that short that they're likened unto a vapor. Then I read this story and I got really blown away. There was a book that a man wrote, Time for God. And he mathematically calculated based on the psalm that I read, Psalm 90 and verse 10, about 70 years. So he calculated it uh, into a single day, beginning from 7 o'clock in the morning and ending at 11 o'clock at night. So see where you fit in and see where I fit in. At 15 years old, the time would be 10.25 a.m. Great, you're young, early in the day. By the time you reach 20, the time is now 11.34 a.m. Oh, I'm still young. It's still good. We're still, the day is great. The sun is shining. Everything is wonderful. By the time you reach 25, it's now 12.42 p.m. We've now transferred past the noon hour and we're into the early afternoon time. After lunch, when you reach 30, the time is now 1.51 p.m. It's getting a little bit later in the day. Then we're going to move on to the age of 35. It's now 3 o'clock in the afternoon at the age of 35. Well, I'm still young. It's middle of the day. It's great, you know, perfect. That sometimes is the warmest part of the day. At 40, now it's getting a little later. It's 4.08 p.m. If you're 40, it's 4.08 p.m. By the time you reach 45, the time is now 5.16 p.m. Oh boy, it's getting a little later. It's getting close to dinner time now. 45, wow, okay. How about those of you who've reached the age of 50? 50, it's now 6.25 p.m. We've had our dinner. It's starting to it's come to evening now. How about 60? And this is where I come in because I'm 62 and a half. I think I fall somewhere between these next two. By the time you reach the age of 60, the time is now 8.42 p.m. Ooh, it's starting to get dark and maybe it is dark. By the time you reach 65, the time on the clock is now showing 9.51 p.m. It's getting late. It's getting later. And if you reach the age of 70, the time is 11 p.m. Now, I'll leave it to the imagination. What happens when you get to 75, (laughs) when you get to 80 or above? But isn't it amazing? how you can think about time and you can think about it in your as a lifespan uh, for the Lord. There was a young successful executive that was traveling uh, down a neighborhood and he had just bought this beautiful new Jaguar, expensive car, fast car. And he was out enjoying it. But as he was driving through the neighborhood, 
he was trying to be very careful because he didn't want to hit any children. So he would he was driving along pretty fast, but he was being careful. And as he drove by, he, he was being very, very cautious. All of a sudden, he's driving down the street and this huge brick goes flying against his car on the side. He pulled his car to a stop. He got out of his car and he came to the first kid he found. And he, he was so angry, he grabbed this kid by the throat and pushed him up against the car. And he says, what was that all about? And who are you? And what are you doing? That's my new car. And you threw a brick at it. It's going to cost a lot of money. Why did you do it? You can imagine how angry a person could get, right? I mean, none of us would like to get hit with a brick on our car, especially a new car. We get a little smudge on it or get a little nick on it or something like that. We get upset. Well, the young boy was very apologetic and he says, please, mister, please, I'm sorry. I didn't know what else to do, he pleaded. I threw the brick because no one else would stop. With tears dripping down his face and off his chin, the youth pointed to a spot just around the parked car. It's my brother, sir. He rolled off the curb and fell out of his wheelchair and I can't lift him up. Now sobbing, the boy asked the stunned executive, would you please help me get him back into his wheelchair? He's hurt and he's too heavy for me. Moved beyond words, the driver swallowed rapidly the lump that was in his throat and he, he hurriedly helped the handicapped boy back into the wheelchair and he saw that everything was going to be okay. And he said, the child said to him, thank you and may God bless you, the grateful child told him. Too shook up for words, the man simply watched the boy push his brother in his wheelchair back to their home. It was a long, slow walk back to his Jaguar. The damage was very noticeable, but the driver never bothered to repair the dent on the side door of the passenger side. He kept the dent there to remind him of this message. Don't go through life so fast that someone has to throw a brick to get your attention. You know, if God speaks to us in a tender tone, in a soft tone, and we don't listen, he'll go to the method of the two by four. And then if we still don't get the message through our thick head, Dean, through your thick skull, then he may take out a brick. But God wants to get our attention. He wants to get our attention today. Today is the most important day of our lives. And if we're not saved, we need to accept him as our Lord and Savior today. James 4:13 to 15 says, Come now, you who say, tomorrow, today or tomorrow, go to such and such a city and spend a year there and make a profit. But you do not know what will happen with your life. What is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills. May the Lord help us today in our lives as we go through life. Number one, make sure we know the Lord is our Savior. Number two, if we do know him as our Savior, let's make sure that every day we live counts for something. Counts for Jesus. Serving him. Giving to him. Helping others. And then let's remember that life is short. We can't add one minute to our time. 
that we're going to be here on this earth. But we can make sure that the quality of our lives is good. We can't discuss the quantity because that's in God's hand. But the quality is up to us. May the Lord help us to do it. You know, one of the things that they say a football game oftentimes comes down to, besides the play at the line of scrimmage, is the time of possession. Each team has a time of possession. It's a 60-minute game. Some teams have the ball longer than the other team. It's a time of possession. And many times, there's a direct correlation between the team that wins and the team that has the greater time of possession. And so, keep in mind for that for the Super Bowl. But may the Lord help us to let our lives count. Make them count. Do everything we can for the Lord. Because one day... Our earthly visit here, our sojourn on earth will be over. May the Lord help us to receive one day his well done, good and faithful servant. Father, we just pray you'll be with each member of our church today. If there's anyone here that doesn't know Jesus, may they accept him as their savior today. Lord, help us to make our lives count, to not rely on our own strength and effort, but to realize that life is short and we have a very few precious years left, maybe. Maybe we don't even have that long, but help us to live for your kingdom and glory until you take us home. We thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.